up, everybody. You're now at your favorite stop for all things sports, politics, and culture. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast with Devon Pouncey, a production of ThatCast Network. Hey, now, say now, you're tuned in to the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I am your host, Devon Pouncey. We are here in the beautiful city of Portland, Oregon, as usual, in the Pearl District at the Living the Dream living the dream studios yes, let indeed. me get it right yes indeed <laughs> i think i know why you did this we don't usually record uh during a day like this we, we early with we it we don't we are recording it's pretty early feel. usually i'm at work usually yeah. i uh i do have a job obviously at street roots which y'all already know so usually i'm there i mentioned last week that i'm taking the week off from street roots this week um just because i can uh, nothing really too much deeper than that. Staycation kind of vibes, if, mm-hmm. if, if that makes it's, sense. It's necessary, you. though. It's, it's needed. definitely necessary. In that line yeah. of work, in period, really, but especially yeah. with that kind of line of work. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you, you can use rest sometimes. I mean, it's definitely needed, but also, you know, things are getting ready to really pick up for me. Obviously, you got the holidays coming up, so that's just that. You know, everybody know what that part of the year entails, but... Starting not next week, but the week after, I start doing college basketball broadcasting again. So November 5th, I'll be doing my first game with Portland State. But this is actually the busiest time of the year for me um, because it's when I'm kind of double whammy and I'm working at Street Roots by the day. I might go, I might even come here or I'll go home if I have time, go change clothes right quick, change outfits out right quick, and then I got to be in a basketball gym by night, whether it be at Portland State or whether it be at my alma mater, Pacific University. So I kind of just wanted to hit the reset button this week, take a little vacation from work, take some time off. I had some PTO. It actually kind of worked out because... Remember, I took a couple weeks off uh, back early in the summer because I went to Germany, but the Germany trip was a work trip, so I didn't technically use uh, my PTO for that, so I'm gladly using some of my PTO this week and just taking the week off, enjoying this basketball shit, which we'll get into here in a minute, and uh, really just you know trying to hit the reset button so I can come in fresh for this basketball season, and from now through about March Madness, it's go time for me. Yeah, real talk. It's I go know. time for it's me. It's busy season, man. It's busy season. And even with me, I, I usually, from a music perspective, uh, we busy all year round, but I don't really ever have that approach like, oh, the summer is mine. We taking over the summer. I like to work diligently in the winter, the fall. You know, things slow up, get cold, less people outside. And I feel like that's when it's the time to capitalize and put the most work in, even in the midst of it being super busy season with the holidays and all that. So I'm here for it. Yeah, I I feel you on that because in the summer, everybody wants to pop out. Everybody Everybody. wants to shine. Everybody Everybody. wants to stunt. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of it may be real gold, but a lot of it is fool's gold. So (laughs) having to to navigate between Mm -hmm. the two in the summertime, Mm -hmm. you could kind of, you know, get lost in the midst of that. But exactly. during the winter, like you said, everybody's on their family shit, everybody. And that's not to say you can't do that as well. But, right, right. you know, everybody's kind of chilling in the house, yeah, drinking yeah. hot cocoa, yeah. not getting outside, this not being that social. To be real gold, this is the time <laughs> that you can really kind of find those hidden gems. Mm-hmm. And especially here where we live at in Oregon, because it's it is cold so cold, it's so rainy that everybody is usually inside. So out here, you know, if you pop out during this time of the year and really really capitalize on some of the things that do stand out during the winter, i.e. 
basketball. Yeah, I think indoor it's sport. For both I love of that. Indoor I love sport. It. Obviously, you with the Blazers song. You went to the game last night. We'll get a little bit more into that in a few. But uh, me doing what I do, doing what I do, covering um, Pacific and Portland State. You kind of have your hidden gym moments in the wintertime. So. Um, and it's real gold. It's not fool's gold. So facts, facts. I, I, I can definitely understand um, that strategy of trying to really win in the winter because, like I said, it's the most busy time for myself as well. But, um, you know, I want to get into some content here, and I want to start off um, talking about what you read when you go on the Apple Podcast app and you search the Wake Up and Win podcast with Devon Pouncey. When you go to the app, you search it up, you got your little star ratings or whatever, but you also have a description that basically tells what the podcast is all about. It describes kind of the goal, the mission, the objective of this particular podcast. And you can see that on other podcasts as well. If you go to just search their podcast and see what it's about. Now, on the Wake Up and Win podcast, if you go to the details and you read it, it reads... On the Wake Up and Win podcast, we focus on the intersectionality of sports, politics, and culture. Our goal in every episode is to give our listeners a formula to go out and win. Now, D-Boy. Talk to me. I think we've done a pretty solid job of sticking to that formula, of sticking to what the description states. And I think anybody who listens to this podcast on a regular basis would agree that we do pretty good at kind of having that sports politics and culture intersectionality amongst most of our topics think you would agree there i do for sure um i mean hell you even thinking about you think about the taking l segment before we talk about who took an l and what particular week and the taking l segment is usually our last segment of every episode we kind of do a brief recap on the topics that we've covered already, and we talk about how we gave the winning formula on those particular po- uh, particular topics. Mm-hmm. So I think we do really well there. But um, when I'm out in public and you know I'm just kind of out living my social life and you know just talking to people, might be out having drinks, might be with coworkers, just might be with whoever I'm with, whoever I happen to be around that day. Um, people obviously know me for having such a dynamic sports background. Obviously, growing up playing sports my entire life, um, and then that kind of translating into me becoming a sports broadcaster after my sports career was over in college. Mm-hmm. So when I you know, have my conversations with these folks and I tend to talk about the podcast, a lot of people automatically assume that it's a sports podcast, and it definitely has that element, but they assume that we're talking about Sports, 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 who's the best, why they're the best. And in some cases, they may even want to know about what happened in last night's game, what happened in the most recent games that we watched. And one thing that I kind of emphasize in telling people is that this podcast is a lot deeper than just a sports podcast. And in fact, we hardly ever talk about what happened in last night's game as far as primary topics are concerned. Now, I might use last night's game to kind of support whatever my primary topic is, if that is useful and if it kind of 
has some substance, but I'm not really the person to sit here and do a recap on what happened in last night's game because I just feel like our podcast wouldn't stand out. I feel like there's enough sport, sports broadcasters all over the world, all over the country that does that already. So why would I want to fall in line with them? Definitely, that's what makes us unique, bro. I think that we cover all of those topics, and it's a it's a large portion of things under the umbrella of which we discuss. But I think it's so powerful that we always tie back into either a personal situation or a relatable situation to the general public and the general listener. So. I do think and not some, just a sports fan. Right. And right. I think people get confused just because a lot of the people who started off listening to this podcast, they personally know us. I mean, right. that's who we market to, our following on Facebook, our following on Twitter, our following on Instagram, so on and so forth. So they know we come from a strong sports background. For sure. Not many siblings could say that both brothers played college you know, ball. You went further in the collegiate level, but at the end of the day, we both laced it up and played for a college team. For sure. You know for what sure. I mean? 100%. So I think people know that, and that dates all the way back to when we was youth playing sports, three sports, and you actually cut down a little bit earlier than me and decided that basketball was going to be your thing. Right. But we, we heavily, a lot of our 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 friends and our, our circle is based around sports, so I can see how that gets kind of... Yeah, it gets misconstrued. Exactly. It, it even gets misconstrued with family because, by the way, just when we had a couple of weeks ago when we had the Street Roots family breakfast and our moms came into town and she came to see and enjoy the breakfast and she got to learn a lot more about what it is that I'm doing with Street Roots and it's not really a primary sports element when it comes right. to that job. Not and at was, all. And I, was, and I was telling a lot of my coworkers and a lot of our volunteers and people of that sort that, you know, work with our organization at Street Roots, I was like, it was interesting for my mom to be able to come and really get a really, really detailed understanding of what it is that we do as an organization and what it is that I do because our entire life, she's just been around us coming to our sports games. Right, right. She's been around us, you know, traveling all over the place mm -hmm. to watch us play sports. And then it made plenty of sense when once I graduated out of high school, a week later, I ended up getting a sports radio show. It just right. made sense. It, right, right. So now that I'm doing this work that I do with Street Roots, it doesn't really make as much sense to her. Now it does because she got to attend that mm -hmm. breakfast. But beforehand... I could tell that she didn't really fully know, and she was what, a lot yeah. more mm -hmm. excited and appreciative of being right. able to really kind of get the full experience of what our job is all about by being able to come to the family breakfast. Right. But the reason why I even wanted to kind of give that background and talk about all of that and, and really kind of talk about why we focus on the things that we focus on on this podcast is because today I want to make an exception. Today, I want to make an exception. We're talking the about sports, huh? I want to make an exception is because the fucking NBA is starting. I'm so juiced. I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm happy about it. And damn it, I got a whole hell of a hot, lot, hot, uh, phew, a whole hell of a lot of hot takes mm -hmm. that I'm really to, ready to spew out right now for all y'all. And yeah. it might be a little premature because we're only one game in for majority of these teams. Some more teams will That's be playing their first game tonight. I like but that. damn it. 
We're going for it. We're talking about last night's game. We're talking about the games the night before that. Mm -hmm. We are getting ready to talk basketball on this very first segment of today's podcast because it's just necessary, and it's what I want to do. And real quick, before we get into that, because we finna jump into that right now, but before we do, I usually don't ask for much from the listeners, but this particular episode, I'm going to challenge you guys to who listen to this podcast to go tell one person about this podcast at some point through the week. Go. And I say that because oftentimes nowadays I see people post on Facebook or Twitter or whatever the platform is that, you know, I'm on at that time. People ask, what are some good podcasts? Tell me some podcasts that are good to listen to. That's a fact. And, and that's real. I remember a year ago, some people didn't even know what a podcast was. They didn't know that it was already preloaded on their phone. None of this stuff. Now people are seeking podcasts that cover a bunch of different things and not just sports. So because we do cover so much and we are so relatable to so many different people and things... Please, I challenge you, tell one person about this podcast, Wake Up and Win. You're absolutely right. I've talked to about three different people this week uh, on the same front who have asked about some good podcasts. And obviously, I recommend Minds, and I do recommend Minds. But I'm such a fan of content that I also recommend mm-hmm. other content Six, and seven podcasts other ones that I sure. consume. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll definitely talk more about some of the content I consume. But um, just to circle back, let's get to this NBA, man. Let's just start off with opening night. We'll catch up to last night. You went to the Blazer game last night. Obviously, we know what you do when it comes to uh, the music end of things and you having the official song for the Portland Trail Blazers. But I want to start all the way back to night one. Um, and I don't really want to talk about It was just Toronto two games in night Pelicans. one, right? It was two games. I don't really want to talk about um, the Raptors and the Pelicans. I mean, the Raptors beat them. Zion's no out. Yeah. There's really no, nothing to talk about there. But we definitely got to talk about the Battle of L.A. Because you had the Los Angeles Lakers versus the L.A. Clippers. Obviously, we know those two organizations made the splashiest moves this offseason. The Lakers were able to get Anthony Davis over there. They were able to get Danny Green and some other boys. But really, Anthony Davis was the splashy move that they made that has a lot of people coming into this season thinking that they'll be a contender. And then you got the Los Angeles Clippers, who got Kawhi Leonard last year, finals MVP. We obviously know how great of a player that he is. And they were also able to get Paul George from out of OKC, who was a top three MVP candidate last season. So both of those teams were really able to make splashy moves and really kind of put themselves into automatic contention in the public's eyes because of the talent that they were able to acquire. And then we know with the Lakers, too, that LeBron James was out for a good portion of last season, didn't finish off the season with the Lakers. So people feel like him coming back healthy and having been arguably the best player in the league for quite some time right now, people are banking on his success. But um, I don't know, D-Boy. You're a Laker guy. Where I mean, I'm, I'm a Laker guy to an extent. I think I've... You're a Laker talked, guy. It ain't no to about, an extent. No, we grew I, up in the same house. I, I, t- no, I mean, this is a conversation that I've already had plenty of times here on this podcast, so it's not one that I'm afraid to have again, but I've definitely been pulling for the Golden State Warriors as of late. I obviously grew up on Kobe Bryant. I still consider Kobe Bryant to be the greatest player of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a guy who I rooted for growing up in my childhood. When Shaq left, didn't go with Shaq, I rocked out with Kobe. I told the story about me and the cheerleader of the Golden State Warriors, and I talked about 
um, how I pretty much became a season, an unofficial season ticket holder for the Golden State Warriors when I lived out there in my last years before moving here to the state of Oregon. And I became a huge fan of the team. And then, obviously, they began winning championships. If I had to coin a favorite player of mine's right now in today's NBA, I would say that it's Steph Curry. Mm -hmm. And so... I've talked about this conversation where I'm actually more or less pulling for the Warriors these days than anybody else. So I don't want to sit here and try to go back to the I Lakers while everybody is already talking down on the Warriors because they obviously lost Kevin Durant. They obviously don't have Klay Thompson for a good portion, if at all, this season. And now you have the Lakers train. Uh, who's kind of hyped up again because they do have LeBron James. They do have Anthony Davis. And I don't really want to be that guy. So I'm going to pull for the Warriors once again this season because uh, I'm still a huge, huge fan of Steph Curry. Mm -hmm. I don't appreciate kind of the tarnishing that he's getting. And I call it tarnishing because people are not even considering the Golden State Warriors a playoff team this year. And I'm not really here for that rhetoric. So that's just what I'm rolling with. You, though, you stayed loyal. You stayed true to the Lakers, even with the LeBron adjustments, even after Kobe Bryant left and all that. So I want to start off with you and what it is that you think about what you saw Tuesday night when it came to the Los Angeles Lakers playing against the Los Angeles Clippers and losing ultimately? Um, I don't want to be too premature because I'm actually going to bring up some part of this topic in our taking L segment. Let me, let me, let me, yeah, but let me, mm-hmm. <laughs> let me interrupt you here. Go ahead. Listeners, we know that it's only one game in for majority of these teams. Mm-hmm. We know that it's very early on in the season. Mm -hmm. We know as good as anybody that it's a very long season. Mm -hmm. We are not going to continue for the rest of this podcast today saying that our takes are premature because of how premature the season is at this very point. We're coming with hot takes. We're saying what we feel. We're coming off the dome. I don't want to tell you about anything premature and why these thoughts right. are premature. We're hitting hard today, so, so come what, on with it. What I meant by premature is that I'm going to speak on the Lakers in my taking L segment, so okay. I don't want to dive too deep into it yet right now because right. I have an explanation as to why they are involved in the taking L segment. So that's the only thing I meant by premature. Got but you. as far as a hot take, my hot take, I'm coming in swinging saying that I was very impressed with the Lakers and that I feel like they will be a championship contender this season. Ooh, I was more. very impressed. I like the hot start of uh, what they had in, in the first game of the season. They definitely came out swinging. They came out hot. Uh, they controlled the game early, and I think the second half is what baffled the Lakers, honestly. Um, as you mentioned, this is the first season that AD and LeBron have played together. I think that's going to be a hell of a duo. Um, and I'm going to talk about a few things related to, you know, the first game of the season, as you mentioned. The first being Danny Green being the leading scorer out of both of them. That's not going to happen. I think we mentioned on this podcast or either in a personal conversation something about what you said about terrible twos and basically the whole NBA having a one-two punch, especially the Western Conference. Uh, with, you know, <laughs> Am I right? I, I, you're right, but I'm laughing. Uh-huh. I'm laughing because you're saying terrible twos. I probably wouldn't be the person to say terrible twos when we talk about all of these great dynamics. Yeah, what, what, what did you call it? The- E-40 called it terrible twos when See, we were just okay, having- so I I knew it was a conversation. And I didn't even get it then, but we yeah. all was perking a little bit, yeah, having some drinks. Yeah. E-40 he said, just came he out here to Portland. <laughs> Maybe the powerful, too. 
yeah, yeah. Maybe the powerful so, yeah, tools. That's where you're getting terrible But I did hear from. that, right? It ain't for me. Yeah, right. It's for me 40. I didn't know if it was a podcast, a conversation, <laughs> was, but but his, his but his formula was right though. Yeah, it was yeah, just probably yeah, yeah, not yeah. the bright phrase for it. But <laughs> right. the, the formula was right. When I thought about it, I'm like, damn, everybody, especially in the Western Conference, has a great one-two punch. You got as I just saw last night, CJ and Dame. Uh, for the Blazers, you got AD and LeBron for the uh, Lakers. You got D uh, D'Angelo Russell and Steph, Steph Curry. Curry for the Warriors. You got Harden the Clippers. You got you got the Clippers. Kawhi and Paul, Kawhi George. And Paul George. Yeah, Harden and Westbrook. Hey, so y'all get know, my point. You know who else? And even Jokic and uh, Jokic Murray? and Murray. That's they're, they're that good. is a, they're good. a powerful too. But you know who, who else? else? Give me another one. Luka Doncic and Chris Stapps Porzingis. You see what I'm oh, saying? Oh, that's nasty. Doncic and Porzingis. So you get the trend. And then you get my point. So with all of that being said, uh, generally speaking, Danny Green will not be leading the uh, the scoring table with LeBron James and AD. It's going to take a few games. It's going to take maybe even more than a few games for them to really get the chemistry down. I read an article in LA Times that said that uh, Anthony Davis said LeBron missed him a couple of times and he missed LeBron a couple of times. They're both aggressive. Uh, and that's just the nature of the beast. I believe that LeBron did try forcing it to AD too many times later in the game. And like I said, that's all going to be watched over in film. That's all going to be watched over with schemes. And they're going to change and adjust to that. I think they're both very good, high basketball IQ people. And I was very impressed. I'm looking forward to the season. And Danny Green, kick, he will constantly give you six or seven threes in a game. He's a shooter. Five, five he, but, tops. Yeah, but this is what I'm saying. Tops. But this is what I mean by that. It's times where he might go... One for seven, and it's times where he can go eight for eight, bro. He's just that kind of guy. You feel me? Streak shooter, but very consistent. His misses are not off by much, and you need that in addition. We don't look at LeBron as a real perennial three-point threat as well as AD. So I think Danny Green is going to complement the scheme and the, and the offense very well. And I think the Lakers did what they had to do in the offseason to make us championship contenders. As you all know, the Blazers endorse what I do. I guess played every song. I'm on the NBA playlist for the Blazers. So that's definitely who I'm here. I'm in Portland. Right. But as I mentioned in my articles with the newspaper, as I mentioned on KGW and all the so on and so forth, I am a Laker fan. That's what I was bred. That's what I've been since the youth. And that's not going to change. If I'm not rooting for the Lakers, though, I am going for the Trailblazers. I period. hear you. I hear you. I'm going to be honest with you, though. I don't necessarily agree with you. And here's why. Talk to me. I think the Lakers, much, much sooner than later, while teams do still have a slither of hope that this is a deep roster, that this is a super talented roster, I think they need to make some moves, and I think they need to make some moves fast. Like what? First off, Let's start off with the big man trio. You got Anthony Davis, you got JaVale McGee, you got Dwight Howard. That is a bit overkill when it comes to the big man, especially in today's NBA. A lot of people think that because you have those guys that they're good rim protectors, it'll make it hard for teams to be able to score on, them, or score on them. And all that is true. And it would especially be true in a day and age where it was more of a 15 feet and in type of a basketball game. We are not in that day and age anymore. Yeah, guys shoot, shoot threes. threes from all over the place. From I-5, so, Caddy. 
those guys, at least McGee and Dwight Howard, are useless when they're playing against a team that have five guys that can shoot from long range. That's where I disagree so with I you. So I think there's they're a bit overkill there. They're not useless. No, no, no. I'm talking about when it comes to being able to defend the perimeter, I think they're useless. They're useful in kind of an old-fashioned old way of basketball yeah, yeah. where size was the defending key. Defending the perimeter, yeah. Defending, but you're going to have to defend the perimeter night in and night out in but today's I, NBA. But I feel like the Lakers still have guys that can defend the perimeter. LeBron I'm not James saying they don't, but the problem is if you watched a lot of that game, there was always more times than not two of those three guys in at the same time. It was either uh, Anthony Davis and JaVale who started, or you or had Dwight. Anthony Davis and Dwight, and sometimes you might have had JaVale and Dwight in at the same time. Uh -huh. But either way, having two of those three guys in at the same time calls for overkill at that particular position, and it calls for the Clippers to be able to get hot and be consistent shooting from distance throughout that game. If I had to take a hot take right now, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with Dwight Howard hitting the door. He can Sooner hit the door. He can and, hit the door. And that's what I'm saying. He can, he can hit, hit the door. The door. And, and, the door. and if he hits the door, you could trade him for a shooter. If he hits yes, the door can. before it, he gets exposed that he's no good, which, that's by the way, place. which, by the way, I told you maybe on last episode <laughs> or the episode me, before thought, that, yeah, Dwight Howard is done. He can, hit, he can the hit the door. Try to have him hit the door sooner than later <laughs> when you can get another shooter <laughs> still a to be able to come in. And what I mean by he can hit the door, I'm talking about... 20 minutes, 19 to be exact. That's a lot of ball game to score only three points. He's sorry. He's 19 trash. minutes, three point <laughs> contribution. One for three from the free. One for three uh, from the field goal. He can hit the door. He can hit the door. Hit the door. Two big men is enough in today's NBA. I'm sorry, you don't need all of these guys to be rim protectors and, and let me anchors mention, in the paint. Four fouls along with that. You got more fouls than points in Why? 20 minutes because he can't guard nobody he, on he the perimeter. The <laughs> He's either gonna have to overextend. They gonna pump fake him, make him look silly, go right by him. He's got to reach in, grab somebody, do some eyeball shit, and have to foul him. He's not the guy you want there. Also, the only reason that the Lakers looked halfway decent, in my opinion, in that particular game was because Danny Green had a, I would consider more so of an out-of-body experience. Yes, we know Danny Green is a yes, great shooter. It wasn't out-of-body, He always has yeah. been a great shooter. That's not going to be the trend. But he's not a 28-point-per-game type okay, of guy. In the, and he's not a, that. He's not in, that in, guy. To interject with that, I think I told you on the phone last night once I left the Trailblazers game with the ter with the. Uh, tremendous tools or whatever we want to call it for these teams. <laughs> I'll call them dynamic duo. Dynamics duo. Okay, I'll take that. So with that being said, I told you the two are going to have to combine. No matter what team, they're going to have to hit for 50 or more. And if you look at the trend, the Blazers lost yesterday and Damon CJ did not combine for 50. Mm -hmm. I think CJ only had my 10 points yeah, or 10 something. Or yeah. Points, yeah. So with that being said, that was the trajectory and the trend yesterday. And with the Lakers, I think uh, they combined for like 40 points or something. It was LeBron had 18 and, and uh, AD had 25. So yeah. that's under 50. Once again, not going to win you the ball games. And like I said, that's with a stellar performance from a third man in Danny Green, right. which we're not going to get every game. So I think that's going to have to be 
the the formula for real that the formula for success is that the twos they're gonna have to go for over 50 and the third player is gonna have to really step it's up. gonna have to really step up and and i'm telling you i just don't quite see it because i see it for, the lakers for, for could go to the championship for a couple reasons for a couple reasons like i said one thing about anthony davis if you're gonna feed him the ball on the post which obviously he's good anywhere you give anthony davis the ball he's gonna make a play but You've got the paint all clogged up because you got another big man who cannot stretch the floor for Anthony Davis to give him an option to kick it out to, whether it be JaVale McGee or Dwight Howard. They're just not those guys. So I think that you're actually limiting Anthony Davis in a sense by having him play with all of those big they're men. Definitely gonna you have need to, do, to put him they're at gonna the have to do more. They're going to have to do more because I'm going to tell you with that scheme, they're going to get picked up quick. Teams will be able to adjust to that. I don't care if it's in a double team. I don't care if whatever what, the strategy the is. The strategy was, I'm going to tell you what the strategy was in Talk that game me. that worked for the Clippers. Talk to me. I watched hardly ever outside of the person who was probably guarding the ball when the ball was outside of the three-point line. Mm-hmm. If you watched the rest of the defense, the other four guys defensively, you never saw them extended out beyond the three-point line mm-hmm. because they didn't have to be. Mm-hmm. They didn't have to go out and hug you a man. You don't have to guard that. You don't have to hug a shooter yeah, out there. Danny Green shooters, is the yeah, only person. You get one more of them, now you threat. You get one, now you're a threat. Now there's more space to work with. Now you got more opportunities to be able to score, and defenses can't necessarily necessarily load up on Anthony Davis in the paint but they were able to keep four guys inside of the three-point line pretty much the entire game you're not gonna have too much of an efficient offense Facts. having to score over three or four up. guys at a time so with the middle being clogged up tell me this before we get off this Lakers talk who you think is easier to ship out right now as far as worth and value JaVale McGee or Dwight Howard I think you package Dwight Howard with somebody else Okay. I think you package Dwight Howard. I don't think you can do a straight-up one-on-one trade Dwight Howard for another shooter. But maybe Dwight Howard and somebody like fucking um, KCP who didn't Call score a point Pope. in 28 minutes of play. And, and you know, you can you can ship a couple. Even I, w- I would even go as far as saying, especially if LeBron is really going to be playing that point guard position heavily, when Rondo comes back, Rondo might be a guy that you could utilize as a trade asset as well because yeah, he can go, too. He, he, he can, can go, go, but he also can't shoot. And yeah, so the Lakers right. are going to have to get some guys that can knock it down at the three-point line. I think and just keep one the more. Defense just out. one more. One more would do yeah, wonders one for him. One, one more. more would do wonders for him. But I don't think they're that great right now unless they make some trades and they make them fast. Now moving on to the Los Angeles Clippers. Is it safe to say Kawhi Leonard is the best basketball player in Los Angeles? Is it safe to say that Kawhi Leonard is the best basketball player in the city of Los Angeles. It's him, LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Paul George that would be in that conversation. Can we I'm give, give it, it to, to Kawhi? LeBron. Nah, I'm going to give it to LeBron. I'm giving it to Kawhi. I know you are. I'm giving it to Kawhi. I'm going to give it to LeBron. And you know why? And, and I'm going to be honest with you. I think a little bit deep sometimes, and I might even be thinking too deep on this, but I want you to hear me out on what I'm getting ready to say. Um, Kawhi Leonard looked really Kobe Bryant-esque and really LeBron so Jordan-esque in that game. Um, obviously, with his mid-range jump shot ability, but even beyond that, his footwork um, in the mid-range, his ability to knock down the turnaround jumper. And obviously, and we've seen and it's been very public that during the summer, Kawhi Leonard spent a lot of time at Mamba Sports Academy working out with Kobe Bryant. Mm. But here's what I want to ask you. Mm. Because to me... I think that's a little iffy there, being that Kobe Bryant 
is the Laker that he is, arguably the greatest Laker of all time. It's not iffy. And he's now training Kawhi Leonard. Do you think that he's taken a slight jab at LeBron James, whose legacy has been put above Kobe Bryant's for quite some time now? And we've talked about how crazy of a competitor that Kobe Bryant is. Do you think it's a slight jab that he's working with Kawhi Leonard to take over L.A. essentially and not really helping his boys that he came up with in the purple and gold? No. I just want to know. No, I think Kobe is an extreme lover of the game. And Kobe, I've heard him say on multiple occasions, he's not going to come back and coach in the NBA. I'm pretty sure we know that. He's not going to be an NBA coach of any sort. I think that his thing is teaching the game and training people. Obviously, we know he coaches some with his youth, you know, with the girls and everything. But I think Kobe Bryant personally is ready to just train whoever is ready ready and willing. I think he's not just going to train no Rudy Poos, but I think he's not on some, oh, I'm a Laker, so I'm just going to train Lakers and blah, blah, blah. I think Kobe Bryant really knows Kawhi Leonard has something special and he wants to be a part of the player development of something special. And also, Kobe Bryant understands the power of studying and mimicking those who came before you. He's credited Michael Jordan many times as to the moves that he's had. We've seen so many breakdowns on YouTube and memes and all that of Kobe and Jordan looking damn near identical. From the fist pumps to the fadeaways to the footwork to all of that. I think Kobe understands that loud and clear. And if Kawhi approached that situation, I don't think Kobe was going to be on some, oh, no, nah, I'm a Laker. I'm only, and I, I honestly don't think LeBron James has seeked that the way that I'm talking about like you said spending the whole summer damn near with him I think Kobe I think LeBron and Kobe have had conversations I think Kobe has gamed him up and you you know what I mean I don't think he's just withheld it even when before LeBron was even a Laker so I think Kobe is just one of those guys he's the OG now and he's ready to give back in his way and I think that's a perfect example of what's being done but you talked about Kobe and mimicking and obviously We've known, if we say Michael Jordan is the primary player that Kobe Bryant mimicked, we know, and we just heard Michael Jordan say some radical shit the other day about Steph Curry not being a Hall of Famer. Why? Yes, Michael Jordan just said that in an interview two, three days ago. So, with that being said, if he mimicked Michael Jordan, sure, we can talk about him mimicking Michael Jordan as far as his skill set, his game, his feet work, et cetera, et cetera, is concerned. But can we also acknowledge him mimicking Michael Jordan from a competitive standpoint as well? Because both of them were absolutely nuts when it came to their competitive drive, when it came to them wanting to win by any means, wanting to be the best by any means. I don't think LeBron necessarily has their drive, but I do think if Kawhi Leonard continues to do what he got off to a start doing yesterday or a couple days ago, that Kawhi Leonard will be the guy in Los Angeles. And Kobe Bryant will be able to take some credit for that. And that will diminish some of LeBron's case as being better than Kobe Bryant, having a greater legacy than Kobe Bryant, and being the guy in L.A. over Kobe Bryant. I don't don't know. And I could be thinking too deep into it. You are. But but I'm not going to sit here and act as if I don't think that's in Kobe's wheelhouse. I'm not going to sit here and say that. But let's move on to the next game. Um, last night, 
you went to the game. Let's talk about the Blazers and the Nuggets. You were there. You were front and center. You got to see what was going on. I watched from home. I wasn't as big time as you and being in the oh, stands and whatnot. It, but, you know, I watched from home. I did watch it from start to finish. What you think about the Blazers, man? You, you, you're optimistic. You're excited. You think they got something good going. What you thinking? First off, I'm excited because I'm a part of the culture. I'm a part of the situation. I'm a part of the organization at this point. I feel like it, you know what I mean? I feel like yeah. I'm a familiar face now with spending a whole last season politicking and campaigning and really just pushing a line in a movement. I believe that first and foremost, that's what I'm excited about. As we mentioned earlier, the environment, the indoor sport, right. just the whole aesthetics of that. Um, that's what I'm excited about. I'm going to be honest with the NBA this year and with how far the trailblazers went last year, I think that set a standard and I think that they will fall short of how far they went. They went to the Western conference finals last year. That's fact. one step away from playing for the playing for it all playing for the ring. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? And so final four. Exactly. So with the changes that were made this year in the offseason with so many teams, I'm personally not as confident in our duo as people may think. We we do get it. Damian Lillard is a great player. He went for 30 or more last night. Um we talked about CJ only scoring 10 or 12 points, which is not going to be the norm for him, but I, I, I'm just, I don't have that feeling yet. And it's just a hot take. It's early, but I just don't have the feeling that I had toward the end of last season. Like, these guys are locked in. They are jailed. They, they can potentially pull out anything. I just don't think so. I think it's a completely new year. I think it's a completely new look. And personally, every look I saw last night from the Blazers, and what I mean by look is every five that I saw last night, it was much different than how it looked last year when you had, you know what I mean? The Mo Harkless and the Rodney Hoods and just the role players, even when Myers Leonard came in big at a certain point Aminu, in time, Aminu, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? It was just, it Seth was Curry, right? It's Seth Curry. He was a big part of it. It was just a completely different look in team. And I think that is going to take a lot more gelling and a lot more camaraderie than, uh, a lot of these other teams. I think AD and LeBron are closer than, what I saw with the team chemistry yesterday. Right. I think Whiteside proved and showed that he could be a bright spot for the Blazers for sure. He yeah. can definitely be impactful. I think he had 20 boards and was probably the second leading scorer. But I've also seen some downside with him too. Once again, we're talking about one game. But I saw, I saw possessions that he took off. And what I mean by took off, hands down on defense, I saw possessions where he played stellar defense and then gave a lackluster effort getting back on offense to be a part of the offensive side of the ball. I seen that. And that's some stuff that other people might not look at or might not have noticed. But I was there and I saw it live and direct. And it was an eyesore. And so I think it could be changed, and I think they can definitely improve. As mentioned, it's only the first game. Yeah. But I don't think that they're going to – I think they won't overachieve like they did last season. I'm glad that you mentioned Whiteside because he's the person that I want to talk about in regards to the Portland Trail Blazers. 
Um, because I think the best and the worst thing could have possibly happened last night in regards to uh, Hassan Whiteside, mm. in regards to the Portland Trail Blazers organization, and in particular in regards to Damian Lillard as the leader of that basketball team, and Terry Stotts, who has had his fingerprints tremendously on this organization from a coaching standpoint. He has coached this team really well in the past, and he's definitely had a lot of impact and influence. Even though he's got a leader like Dame, Dame listens to Stotts. Dame respects Stotts. It's not a LeBron James and Ty Lue type of a situation where LeBron's the coach, LeBron's the everything. Stotts' fingerprints are all over this team. But here's why I say I think what we saw from Hassan Whiteside could be the best or the worst possible thing that could have happened to this team yesterday. Because Hassan Whiteside obviously had a great game, especially from a statistics standpoint. But as you mentioned, I think Joker gave Hassan Whiteside some really, really coachable moments last night. Because... There were a lot of plays, especially later in the game, because Joker didn't really play in the first half, being that he was in foul trouble. There was a lot of times out there where Joker was able to knock down threes. He was able to knock down mid-range jump shots. A lot of that to the credit of Hassan Whiteside had his hands down, and when he had his hands down, Joker told him, well, guess what? Man down, as Mark Jackson would say. And he knocked him down late, and he, I think, was the reason that Denver actually got over the hump and ultimately won that game last night. But as I mentioned, those coachable moments, we've known Hassan Whiteside to be a guy who can put up the numbers that he put up last night. I've told you before, I think that he's probably better than Yusuf Nurkic. I actually do think that he's better than Yusuf Nurkic. I thought that was the case pretty much the entire time they've both been in the NBA together. I've never saw a time or a moment or never had a time or a moment where I felt that Nurkic was a better player than Whiteside. And that obviously kind of surfaced when it came from a conversational standpoint when Whiteside came to the Blazers. But Whiteside has always been a head case. Whiteside has always been somebody who's been pretty hard to coach, whether it be because he didn't want to be in Miami, whether it be because that's just the kind of guy he is, whether it be because he's lazy and lackluster. I might not necessarily have the answer to that, but the reality is we know that he's been a head case in the past in his career. But Even also, with him playing such a great game last night. Also, to I add to that, it, though, go ahead. real quick, not to cut you off, but to add to that, that's another reason why I'm worried for the Blazers because I was at the game. I showed up with about two to three minutes left in the first quarter, and I didn't see much of the Joker, Jokic, until damn near the fourth quarter, yeah, which he means he to. sat out a total of two quarters fully, damn near. Yeah. And he still came out with the W. Well, Joker is that good. I that's, mean, Joker, what that's my point, Joker's though. A, you can argue between Joker and Embiid, Joker's the best But that's player, what I'm talking I mean, about the with these dynamic the duos. If they gave you a, a head start with getting three quick fouls on him and sitting him down for as long, so... Yeah, uh, but I also about, think I also think Denver just has a better team. I think all the way around. But you Denver's played with the Joker, the whole team, and no foul trouble. They might have won by twenty. The well, way they controlled well, the situation well, is would, what I'm saying. But I would go as far as saying that I think that Denver is actually a championship contender this year, a legit one. And I also will make the argument in support of Denver that with Clay Thompson out, 
from the Golden State Warriors, obviously, Denver might have taken the reins as the best shooting team in the well, NBA. I mean, we got and I think last night they, Denver they was got one game away from going to the finals last the conference year. Conference finals, so, they were I number mean, two seed. So, so I we got to give credit. At that to, yeah, take. The, yeah. So I'm I'm giving Denver a lot more credit than most have because most has, most have been caught up in the hype of these LA teams and the moves that they made, which we've already obviously talked about. But back to Whiteside, I think that. He was able to have such a coachable moment yesterday, especially with him having a good game, that if Terry Stotts can nip that in the bud early and Whiteside allows Terry Stotts to coach him to make him a better player, which I think Stotts has been able to do for quite some time with, quite some time with, with this players. Blazer roster, he's been able to maximize guys but. who probably wouldn't be as good in other situations. I think that the Blazers can easily elevate to being one of those teams that's a contender as well. In that realm, you're stating the obvious. I want to know your hot take. Does that happen or not? That's what I want to know. It's early, but I want to know, does Stotts make that happen or not? I think it happens. I believe in Stotts. That's what I want to know. I think it happens because I believe in Stotts, and I also think that Whiteside actually wants to be in Portland. I don't think he necessarily wanted to be in Miami. I don't think he necessarily wanted to be with that organization. I feel like it's going to be a challenge that remains to be seen. But like I said, but you still have to consider Consider the past. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to sit here and erase the fact that Whiteside has been a head case for quite some time. And in fact, I think Whiteside was the, if the Bla had the Blazers won, we would have gave Whiteside the most credit for them winning. Yeah, but I'm also going to give Whiteside just as much credit for them losing because of him having his hand be hands serious, down. I think it's going to be a serious challenge. And that's going to be a coaching intervention. We, we haven't seen this kind of player with Terry Stotts. Me, us personally, kind of knowing where Dame come from and his background and his demeanor, I could see why and how he's such a coachable player. Right. C.J. McCollum, with his demeanor, yes. I could see how he would be coachable. And mid-major guys. You they know what I mean? Colleges, exactly. I have not yeah. seen anybody with the kind of background and past or reputation that Whiteside has. And that's and so why. I'm not sold. I think it's easy when... It's easy. And you feel me? Had, this is going to be a challenge. And that's why I had to knowledge, acknowledge that it could be the best or the worst thing that happens to the Blazers. Mm -hmm. Because if Terry Stotts is able to crack that code, I think you have a monster in Hassan Whiteside, and I think you have a Blazers team that can compete with anybody in the league with Whiteside being maximized, as we've seen many other players do with the Portland Trail Blazers. But if he cannot crack that code... I think it will be the worst possible thing that could happen to the Portland Trail Blazers. Do I think they're a playoff team? Absolutely. But if they can't get him really all the way dialed in and, and, and get rid of some of his old habits, that I think the barrier was his mental capacity as to why he had some of those old bad habits, then I think it'll be a long year for the Portland Trail Blazers. But um, next up, and yeah, like I said, Philly contender, Philly-Boston contenders. We didn't talk about that game. Several other games that were played yesterday, but I definitely wanted to touch what on about the L.A. Tonight? game. What's going on tonight, tonight? Big games tonight. You got the Houston Rockets coming up tonight. You also have... Uh, and Houston Rockets, they're playing the Bucks. So the last two MVPs in Harden and the Greek Freak, obviously we know Westbrook 
has come over there and uh, came to the Houston Rockets. So we're excited to see that dynamic duo, or as E-40 would say, that terrible two. Yeah. I don't know how I didn't pick up on that show right now. Because we was all drunk. That's mm-hmm. why. Tips. But uh, yeah, we were perking. We were perking for sure. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, yeah, I, I, I think that'll be a big game. And then obviously you got the Warriors and the Clippers tonight, which is a huge game as well. So those are two games that I'm looking forward to watching. Philly, I think, is a problem in the East. They showed that the West is going to be just an all-out gauntlet this year. The Jazz look good. The Dallas Mavericks look good. We'll see what the Warriors look like tonight. We'll see what Houston looks like tonight. Um, the the Blazers and the and the Nuggets was a competitive game. The LA teams playing against each other was was a competitive game. But before we actually go into the next segment, D boy, real quick, let's just rattle off some predictions that we see taking place this year. I think I want to start off with the MVP prediction. Um, who do you got? Who do you think will MVP? Kawhi Leonard? Yep. I'm rolling with Steph Curry. I think he's going to have a great mm-hmm. season this year. I think the Warriors are going to win a lot more games than people think this year. And and I also think Steph is going to lead the league in scoring. Um, let's go rookie of the year. Who you got? Who you got? Who you rolling I with? I don't know yet. I think I'm going to have to go I, with... I only focused on Zion, Zion. and he's going to be hurt. He, he's out six to eight weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but for some strange reason, I think that he'll still win the award when he comes well, back. I'll rock with, um, I'll rock with it. Um, since that's what I was I rocking I think the with. guy who, who competes with him, and I think we all kind of have had this conversation on a subtle level coming into the league, is John Morant over there with the Grizzlies because John Morant can fill it up. He can score a lot. And he's we with all the know, Grizzlies, though. And no, he, thank no, you. No, but, but that's the thing. What... Rookie of the year, for the most part, has played on a good team. Most rookies of the year are your first draft picks, your first top three, four draft picks. They play for a sorry team. I mean, the Sixers made noise, though, when Ben Simmons won. That's about it, though. But other Mm -hmm. than that, LeBron was on the sorry Cavaliers. But it was LeBron. but But my point exactly, that award usually goes to a top five draft pick who Dame won Rookie of the Year on a weak Blazer team. That was the year to play. The only year that the Blazers didn't make the playoffs since Dame has been a Blazer was his rookie season when he won Rookie of the Year. RJ? No, I think John Morant. But I'm saying RJ is uh, he in the question. I, I don't I don't think you know? he's above John Morant. I okay. think John Morant can really fill it up and can really score and might be the highest scoring rookie this year, which is why I got to include him in the conversation. But I still think Z- uh, Zion will have plenty of time to be able to kind of take over and win that award. Um, Coach of the year, who you got? I got Mike Malone. Denver, Doc Rivers. Doc, Doc Rivers. Rivers. Doc I think Rivers. The Clippers, I, I, I got <laughs> Doc real, Rivers. They're a real fucking deal. <laughs> I got Doc this year. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is what I feel. I got Mike Malone, though. I think the Denver Nuggets, like I said, I think they've kind of taken over as the best shooting team in the NBA. Uh, I think they got a lot of experience now. Last year, they played in two series that went to seven games. Um, obviously, the couple years before that, they were knocking on the door to get into the playoffs. I think this year is the year that they take it up even higher of a notch. They have their chemistry. They have pretty much their entire roster back that they had last year. And I think they're ultimately going to be a huge problem. Um, defensive player of the year, who you got? AD. I totally disagree with that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the reason I disagree with that, because I feel like the only way Anthony Davis can be defensive player of the year and play to his full potential is if they get rid of one of those big guys. Can who, Whiteside do it? 
I mean, with 20, the way I seen him he grabbing, like, and he can block shots. I mean, that, he, I he's know that's what I'm a, saying. He's definitely more of a defensive specialist than an offensive specialist, and has been throughout his career. He just translates um, to some of his offense because yeah. you know grabbing boards and putbacks and shit. I, I think it'll be Rudy Gobert again, and the reason I think it'll be Rudy Hell Gobert no. again mm-hmm. is because. He specializes on the defensive end of the floor, and if he can put up similar numbers to what he has in the past to win that award and the Jazz elevate their game and play to a high level that a lot of people are expecting them to, I think Rudy Gobert is kind of an easy pick to win that particular award. What about what about your sixth man of the year? Is Lou. it still Lou? Lou Will Bill. <laughs> Lou Will fucking Bill. You I think mean, Van Vliet got a chance? Did he start? Did he come off the He's bench or did man. he start? Six he was man. six man. Mm-hmm. Um, not over Lou Will, not over Lou Will. I'm 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 solely rocking with Lou Will on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, lastly, most improved. Who you got winning most improved this year? Most improved. Hmm. I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you start as I think on this because this is a hot take and I'm not understanding who I might pick for that yet. Last year, I picked Jamal Murray, and I think that he did well, sort of, in that instance. I think that he was kind of the guy. Um, I want to say, I want to say, but I can't say it because we do know that he's going to be a star in this league, and he's already showed us more than a glimpse of that. I would have said Luka Doncic, and the reason why I say Luka Doncic, but he's He's already certified, certified, but he wasn't an all-star last year. Obviously, he was a youngster. He was only a a rookie, but I think Luka Doncic could legit elevate himself from just being a guy who was a young star to like a legit top five MVP candidate. I'm going to agree with you right there because of the fact he wasn't an all-star. He's still not... I mean, if you're a basketball fan, he's a household name, but he's not a household name. Not I a think household after name, this yeah. season, he'll he's going to put it, yeah, he'll two years that. of that. So, I think yeah. he'll be, I think he I'm can end up being top five in the MVP race. That's how high I he's am on Luka Doncic. So, good. although I probably don't think he'll win the award, my reasoning for thinking why he'll win the award, the award is because although we knew he'll be a star coming into this league, I think the separation and the elevation just from last year to this year is going to be nuts. And that 34-point performance he had last night to start it off, damn sure wasn't a bad way to start. Um, So next up, we'll talk a little bit about the World Series and how we haven't watched it. So keep it locked. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast with Devon Pouncey. Keep it locked, folks, as we continue to give you a winning formula. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast. Visit thatcast.com for more great content on ThatCast Network. D-Boy, we ought to be fucking ashamed of ourselves. I ain't watched that shit at all. (laughs) We ought to be be ashamed. We ought to be ashamed because I haven't watched a single inning I ain't of the World Series. I ain't ashamed. You should be I more than anybody. Baseball. You're a baseball guy. That's what I'm saying. Well, then tell me more. Why aren't you ashamed? Because I'll it. tell you why I'm I've ashamed. I've said it in the podcast many a times. As I played baseball, and I still love baseball and am passionate about it to this day, baseball is a sport that I like to watch as a student of the game. I'm no longer a student of the game. It doesn't excite me. The love is still there. The passion is still there. I appreciate and respect the game, but watching it, if I, if it's nobody that I'm interested in watching, and I'm going to get into what I mean by interested in watching in a minute, 
And if it's nothing that I need to be studying about the game, I'm not watching the World Series, nor am I watching any other. It's, it's just not entertaining to me. And yeah. we talked about it earlier about how they could yeah. make baseball more appealing or entertaining. It's nothing. It's no hype around it. I'm talking about when the Super Bowl is approaching, it's hype about who's performing at halftime. It's hype about who's playing. We know it's parties that go on and take place. The whole night. It's a culture behind it. Uh, NBA All-Star and Finals, all of that. It's a culture behind it. The World Series is the one thing that is no culture or celebratory instances are you know it just doesn't happen and so i think that's why i don't feel bad about it it's not like i'm missing out on something that you know that that's really celebrated or tuned into as it probably should but it's just no entertainment there i want to yeah i want to throw a few numbers out there before because you're not disappointed in yourself but i am disappointed in myself and i'll talk a little bit more about that about why that is in a minute but i do want to throw out some statistics in regards to um, the World Series and its viewer ratings. It had a 7.3 viewer rating, had 12.19 million viewers. That's the lowest that it's been in the last five years. So the lowest amount of viewers in the first game since 2014. Now, the first night of the World Series was also opening, opening night of the NBA. You obviously had the Lakers and the Clippers. They had a rating of 2.2 with 3.58 million viewers, which is the most on a World Series night in a, in the NBA since 2001. My point. My point. When Michael Jordan made his uh, Washington Wizards opening debut. night for basketball. Uh, opening night. <laughs> opening night. <laughs> opening night. On the first game of the World Series. <laughs> yeah. Stop and, it. and so that's the highest amount. So. Obviously, furthermore, I mean, obviously, before because you're gonna dive into why you're not why, why you're, I'm disappointed why you're dis- in me. In so me. before you do that, I'm gonna tell you another reason why I'm not. I'm from Vallejo, man. CC Sabathia, man. We seen how <laughs> it was. We seen the 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 outing that he had and how sad it was. He left in pain. His last outing ever, lacing him up, putting on that Yankees jersey. They lost to the Astros, I think, a game after that uh, to get eliminated, but. He gave everything he had, and he he was just in too much pain. His body said it was time to, to yeah, hang it up. And so I've been a Yankee fan, and I've been a CC Sabathia fan since since he was a high schooler. Right. So with that being said, once again, that's something to watch. The Yankees that, the Yankees. you know what I mean? Their last Viewership championship was in 2009. So yeah. you feel me? If they would have won this year, it would have been in a decade. It, it just, it's a lot more behind it. But once they was out of there, I really don't give a damn about the Houston Astros. They're a great baseball team. But or the Washington I, or the, Nationals. And I just, either one of them, I, I don't care. The reason why I'm disappointed in myself is because we obviously grew up in the city, as you mentioned, CC Sabathia in Vallejo, California, um, where we we were a black baseball city. We traveled and played against a lot of other teams that did not have a lot of black baseball players, and yeah, we, we would had come full in full black teams, full black, That's predominantly crazy. black teams. Maybe a token white boy, Rolando Holler, <laughs> Tyler Cravey. Yeah, we'll we'll have that token white boy yeah, who could ball, who yeah. grew up in the hood with us, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. But we came up. 
and black baseball was it for us. And one thing that I've been telling myself that I have not done yet, and we have tried to sit here and fix baseball on this podcast before, is that I'm going to support baseball because I want to support guys like Tim Anderson. I want to support guys like another kid from our hometown, Willie Calhoun. I want to support black baseball players again, even if that means me having to support this predominantly white league, which is the MLB today. And so I'm disappointed in the fact that I am a part of the problem as to why baseball is not having the platform amongst the culture that it's having. I'm not taking the blame for that. I think the blame goes on Major League Baseball for not essentially keeping up with the times and really trying to stick to being America's pastime. And now their ratings are dipping because of that. But as somebody who wants to support these African-American players who I feel like through playing the sport of baseball, especially at a professional level now, know what it's like to be the token. They know what it's like to be the token black guy within that sport because it's such a small percentage of them. I'm one of those guys and I've talked about this here on the podcast, I love playing the role of the token black guy, whether it be professionally, whether it be socially, whether it be amongst certain friend groups. Like, I can go back to the hood all day and I won't miss a beat because it's where I'm from, is where I grew up, and I know how to operate amongst my people. But one thing that I've always took pride in, and I think I've learned this from my father especially, was how to be able to be sort of a chameleon and kind of go into these white places and these white spaces and be able to stand out to where they now will have somewhat of a different outlook on who people like me are or that come from my background, my race, my social uh, background as well are. And it may be It may kind of give them a different perspective on that. I've obviously talked about me broadcasting these games. I've talked about plenty of my experiences and many of these press boxes and many of these, you know, press roles, especially here in the Northwest where I've been the token black guy in these places and spaces. And so, and obviously just flat out living in the city of Portland, which is a majority white city. I'm somebody who supports the tokens. I have not supported the tokens the way that I feel like I should through the sport of baseball. And I think watching the world series, which is baseball's obvious biggest event, I could kind of help support the tokens in doing so that way. So That's the only reason that I say I'm disappointed in myself is because Mm -hmm. as somebody who has really taken pride and has really taken on a responsibility and being the token black guy in a lot of these white spaces, I feel like baseball players, especially in today's climate, could relate to that a whole lot. And I haven't been as supportive of them as I should be. So I'm still going to hold myself to the standard of supporting them more um, and really kind of putting a little bit more shine and a little bit more light on the sport because I do love the sport of baseball as well. But um, what can I say, man? I'm of the culture. We all know basketball is my favorite sport. We all know the background I have in the sport of basketball. I've been 
glued to watching these NBA games the last mm-hmm. couple of days. I'm just, sorry, but I'm also kind of not right? sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm also kind of not sorry about that. So that's the only reason I said I want to hold myself accountable because I do need to really dive into baseball a bit more. And even if that means I have to challenge the sport more and more, even if that means I need to be more challenging of what's going on in the sport, I'm willing to play that role too. But I've just been non-existent when it comes to my support of the sport, whether it be a positive impact or a negative impact or a positive outlook or a negative outlook that I have on the sport of baseball and Major League Baseball as a whole. So that's how I feel there. But um, next up, we got Pouncey's picks, baby. We're talking about who we got winning in the NFL this upcoming week. Keep it locked. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast with Devon Pouncey. Keep it locked, folks, as we continue to give you a winning formula. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast. Visit ThatCast.com for more great content on ThatCast Network. And we're back. And it is Pouncey's picks where we talk about Five games that are coming up this week in the NFL and who we think will win in those five games. And we do have a little inside podcast competition where we have been keeping a record of who has been winning Pouncey's picks. And I will win at the end of the season. And so far, the first two weeks, I got off to a hot start and I won both. (laughs) And this past week. D-Boy figured something out, and he was able to get the win. And this week, so it will it be 2-2. Two two. <laughs> <laughs> so it is now 2-1. and one. I am up over D-Boy. I've won twice. He pulled it out this past week. Now we got another week coming up. Um, one thing that I will say has been a trend. The first two weeks, and maybe I should have thought ahead or been a little bit more on my toes about this, but the first two weeks of Pouncey's picks... I picked the five games. Last week, I let D-Boy pick the five games. Mm -hmm. And what do you know? He comes away with a win. (laughs) So maybe I should have picked last week's game too, especially being that I was already on a winning streak. So essentially, I would call that something similar to like home field advantage. Mm -hmm. But I was being generous because I had a 2-0 cushion. I let D-Boy pick the five games, and what do you know? He won. So I guess we'll just kind of create this thing from this. D-Boy, I have five games already in the tuck thanks to our producer, Tyler. Shout out um, to Tyler. Shout man. out to Tyler for sure. I have five games already in the tuck. So now it's really even, on. huh? But, but, but because you won, and maybe I'm still being a little bit too generous here, all right, all right. but because you won... If you choose, you can pick the five games. But in the case that you don't know or you're not quite on your toes enough to do so right now, Tyler's Tell me the first game that Tyler picked. Tell me the first game. Uh, Let me – oh, my phone locked, and it was right here on my phone. Let me pull it up right quick. Uh, Please and thank you because I got a couple I'm looking at right now, but I think we'll be pretty similar. So we can, for the most part, go off of his, I'm sure. So, the first game that Tyler picked was the Seattle Seahawks versus the Atlanta Falcons. Didn't want to do that because the Seahawks is going to win. I mean, we both going to pick that (laughs) all day. We're talking about one and six Falcons, so X that one off the spot. So, you don't want to do Seahawks and Falcons? I'd rather Philly and the Bills if he don't have that. Philly and the Bills, he don't have that. I'd rather that because they three and four and five and one, and I'm taking the underdog Phillies to beat Buffalo. I'm kind of... 
feeling the same Philly, way. But Philly, you know what? I'm Phillies, going with Buffalo because Buffalo's been balling. See this what year. I mean? That's more I'm interesting. I, they have yeah. been balling. They, they only got one loss. Oh uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I think with Philly Buffalo. breaks that. I don't think Philly goes three and five, man. After winning it all last yeah, they year, they better that's, figure something out. They quick. better figure it out fast. fast. So I so, think it's a really a make or break game for the Philly uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles. So I'm gonna go ahead and pick them. Okay. So do you want to pick the second game or how you want to do this? Well, yeah. Tell me what's his second game. His second game, Tyler had the Los Angeles Chargers versus the Chicago Bears. I'm with that. I'm rolling with the Chicago Bears. I'm rolling with the Bears. (laughs) So, which is it's just fine. That Philip Rivers shit we talked about last week. I'm not right. (laughs) The Bears are gonna win that. So I'm rolling with the Bears. So I got the Bills and the Bears. You got the Philly and the Bears. Philly and the Bears. The third game that he had here on this list, the Carolina Panthers versus the San Francisco 49ers. I'm down for that game too. Uh I'm taking the Panthers. The the the, the Niners get their first. They go they don't go 7 and 0, family. 6 and 1 after this week. They just picked up Emmanuel Sanders this week though, so Listen, I'm rolling with the Niners. Okay, I, okay. I'm rolling with the Niners. Mm-hmm. I think they I think I think it just calls for a little dramatics. They sure. lose it's gonna be some oh we should it wasn't broke, don't fix some little crazy yeah, shit. Yeah, for like sure. That. I I'm just rolling with the Niners because I think for Ooh, one, I Carolina believe a little being bit more. A, uh, underdogs like that too, I might send some money to Vegas. That's the real. That's what we really <laughs> need to yeah, do. Yeah, I might but, do that. But yeah, I'm rolling with the Niners. I'll Ooh. be honest with you. I think they'll win again. I think they're on a good roll right now, and I don't think Carolina quite has what it takes to knock them off. The right. next game that he had on here is Green Bay versus Kansas City. That's a great game. That's probably the best game I see on uh, now, Sunday. Now, I'm going to be fair here. Before you even pick, I'm going to be fair and say I'm rolling with Green Bay because Kansas City has no Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes is out. I tell you every time, I got Aaron Rodgers as my fantasy quarterback. I'm not I'm betting going, against him. <laughs> I'm going with Green Bay. Going with Green Bay. So we both going Green Bay on that one. The last game that Tyler has on here, which I think actually could be a really good game, is the Oakland Raiders versus the Houston Texans. I'm taking Oakland this week. Taking Oakland? Taking Oakland. I'm not taking them with confidence, but I'm taking them. I love my yeah, Raiders, and I can't bet on them too. I can't bet against them two weeks in a row. Yeah, I let you I take them last week for them last week, yeah, and that did. was probably not. The <laughs> it ideal didn't work thing for you. <laughs> um, and I say this all the time, and I'll say it again. I'm gonna vote for Houston. I, I got Houston to win it, but if Oakland is the reason why we end up being two and two, rather than me going up three and one. <laughs> I'll take it because I'm a diehard Oakland yeah, Raider fan I and I want him to win. Was that four games or five, them. though? That was five. That was five. We Let's got see. Philly and Buffalo. Chargers. Chargers in yeah, uh, Chicago. Yeah. We got the, the Carolina and San Francisco, Green Bay and the Oakland. And Oakland yeah. Houston. All right, for sure. So that's Pouncey's picks. There it is. Last off, we will finish it off with the Take and L segment, so keep it locked. This is the Wake Up and Win podcast. Or you want to just roll it over? Yeah, we can roll it right you to it. I mean, it's right there. Pouncey's right. picks and Take and L's All right, today. I'm with that. I'm with that. Let's we can it. roll it over. We'll roll it, it over. We'll roll it over. Um, take and L segment. We ain't taking no breaks. We're here. We're here. We're hey, here. D-Boy, uh-huh. I want you to elaborate more on that Los Angeles Lakers shit you were talking about yes, earlier. Sir, I will. How I'll did they take off. an L, or who is taking an L, and no, how the are the Lakers involved? The Lakers well, how are they involved? Whatever it case, the case may be, you the, got it, my friend. Anthony Davis and LeBron James take an L. Ooh, solely for one reason. Oh, I don't even got to really tell you. The proof is in the pudding. If I read and saw correctly, they combined for two points in the fourth quarter. Ooh. 
Ooh, that's the only... I already told Ooh. you, I'm very optimistic. I think they champion contenders. I'm not worried. About, and the only reason they take an L is because I think that stat would only stand one time this season, and that was the first game of the season. I do not think it is capable for LeBron James and Anthony Davis to be on the court and only combine for two points the rest of the entire season. That is why I give it to them. Yeah, Once again, stat. I don't think that translates into them being bad or not a contender or being in trouble or being anything like that. I think it's literally just an L on a stat that your dynamic duo combined for two points, especially in a game where I don't think they played particularly bad. Obviously, I'm sure LeBron would have liked his field goal percentage to be a little higher. Honestly, we talked about... Danny Green scoring 28 and being the leading scorer, which won't happen either as often, uh, you know. But overall, I have to – it was just – it was a no-brainer for me. Two points out of them in the fourth, I think that's the Can't difference of the game, for real. Can't do that. Especially being that I would imagine they didn't really have the greatest third quarter either because Danny Green put up 20 fucking you, points You see what I'm saying? Quarter. So, that, so that, I just, it's just eh. – that, that was the only reason why I had to do that. All and right, and all I'm right. not – it doesn't translate into nothing worrisome because I literally think that only happens once this whole season, but it happened. Okay, okay. You got a point there. Uh, I'm taking it to the culture this time around because we've been talking sports too goddamn much. Um, but I already prefaced at the beginning of the podcast that that's what we'd be doing today. And I've, I'm yeah, happy about it. it. We, we did, did it. it and you got it. Um, but I am going to go to the culture because um, T-Pain, the rapper, the producer, the artist, we all know T-Pain. T-Pain... He had to do something this week, and I think he had to do something that he wasn't quite proud of. Um, he had to cancel some tour dates. And the reason why T-Pain had to cancel some tour dates is because um, there was just some things that didn't qu go quite well um, for T-Pain with the tour dates. Um, there were not enough tickets sold <laughs> initially for his really? tour dates. Um, and I think he also just didn't put enough time and enough effort into the tour dates. I saw something say that some things got cut. T-Pain said it, actually. And I quote, some things got cut, some corners got cut, production went missing. And, you know, I wasn't as hands-on with the planning and things as I should have been because I've been busy as hell. Um, yeah, that's not good. But. I'm not giving T-Pain the L in this. Who I'm going to give the L is the media. And the reason I'm going to give the media an L is because T-Pain actually called out the media on Twitter because of the coverage that he has gotten since having to shut down this tour and cancel dates of this tour because of the low ticket sales. And let me scroll right here to find the tweets. And here's what T-Pain tweeted one day ago. He tweeted, Sure would have loved all this media coverage when I announced the tour. The mm. media loves life's lows. Free, free mm. promo for the bad shit. Wow. Extra, extra. Read all about the negative parts. Wow. It's so true. It's very true. And obviously, I'm somebody who is of the media, and you know what? I'm going to take some credit for that, and I'm only going to take some credit, and I'm only going to cause the media to take some credit because 
we do need to prop our legends up more. D boy, if you know, well, I know you know better than anybody. It's what they make T-Pain, a off of. T Pain is one of my favorite yeah, artists. You've been of speaking all yeah, time. No, you've been speaking all I put T Pain up there with the best of them when it comes to artistry. Um, he's he's produced and made a barrel of hits. Pretty much anything he it was a while where for maybe about five years where any record he hopped on, whether it was a single of his own or whether he was a feature, he instantly enhanced that record and that record became a hit. T-Pain is a certified hit maker. He's one of my all-time favorite artists. I had no idea that T-Pain even announced the tour. I also just haven't quite followed T-Pain um, the way that I should based on my love and my appreciation for T-Pain, his music, and what he was able to bring to the music game. So I'm not going to sit here and shit on the rest of the media and not take some of that credit, even though it may be very minuscule credit, but I'm not going to sit here and not take some of that pre- credit because I want to give T-Pain his flowers and appreciate T-Pain because he's actually somebody who I think is one of the best and the greatest artists we've ever seen. So with that... Um, I want to do a brief T-Pain appreciation moment, and I want to ask you, D-Boy, as an artist, what is T-Pain's greatest record of all time? Because he's got a barrel of fucking hits. Bartender, Caddy. Bartender. It's nostalgic. I'm, I'm going to tell you why. I, I'm talking about going back to grad night trip, high school, senior year, the whole entire bus singing that song at the top of their <laughs> lungs, bruh. It takes me back to that moment in time. Anytime a particular song can take you back to a moment, a moment that was deemed some of the best times of your life, it, it, it has to stand out. And he's had a lot of great record. He can rap, too. Yeah, he can. He can rap. He can. But that, the fact that he came out... He didn't necessarily come out with that, but that was his biggest record that I I fooled with the most. And he was a pioneer. No matter if you liked the auto tune, you hate it, he yeah. started something that literally is relevant and living in today's culture and in today's music. One hundred percent. And he made it okay for real. Yeah, through like, the, through the hip hop realm, we right, obviously know right. Zap. And by yeah. the way, by the way, Zap speaking had the of best Zap, performance. they had the best performance. They had the best performance at the Blue Bomb. Zap <laughs> was hard. Zap was hard. They so was li- hard. So listen, and we'll get back to T-Pain, but I got to talk about this. This past weekend, we talked about, we connected with E-40. E-40, obviously, from our hometown. E-40 and D-Boy has a record together. E-40's good people, family ties, etc., etc. We went to Boo Bomb, which is a Halloween concert that Jammin' 107.5, which is one of the hip-hop radio stations here in Portland, does every year at the Moda Center, where they bring kind of the old-school artists out to perform. This one in particular, you had E-40, you had Baby Bash, who's also a Vallejo representative and some of our people. People. You had Ice Cube, um, but you also had Genuine. Zap. You had Genuine, yeah, you but had you Zap. also had Zap. And I am for sure going to say that the most entertaining set of all of those this past weekend at Boo Bomb was Zap. Them for sure. Prime Poles, oh, crowd they surf. killed it. They did it. They had slaps, it. you feel me? <laughs> had the little talk box with the, <laughs> with the auto-tune. Yeah. They killed it. They killed it. But, but, but I think that was more so like 
that was more so like soul pop type of music back in their day when they did it. But they killed they, it. They, they killed, killed it for sure. It. But what I'm saying is when they did the, the auto tune, the different. genre was different than right. hip hop. I think T Pain was the one to make. And it was auto-tune still different. Auto tune and that it was a little bit different still. That talk box effect is a little different than auto tune. Yeah, Same yeah, yeah. kind of result, but it's a little bit different. But I get what you mean. Now, yeah, T Pain brought it to He modernized it. He modernized it for, yeah, sure. for sure. And 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 it's taken off and you still hear the amigos and everybody. Everybody. You even it's use it everybody. a little bit. Yeah, it's some everybody. It's it, engineering has become the way and it's in there. It's in there for most music. Even if you don't hear it as hard as T Pain's was very much so active. Yeah. People don't realize that that auto tune is still tucked down, it's, even in yeah, a lot of stuff that doesn't sound. It's the touch. It auto tune is a pitch correction. It works for rapping. It works for singing. It works for melodies. It is a pitch correction. It is yeah. a tool, and it's used more than you would know. For sure, for sure. Um, but back to T Pain. Oh, if I had to say what his best record all time was, I would have to say. Ooh, by, by I you. can't believe it. You like that? Ooh, ooh, ooh y'all know me. Yeah, that ain't me. And I'm going to tell you why I think it's his hit. I, I don't think it's just because that's a great fucking record, by the way. I think the record is great. But I also think that it was during the era where I would say T-Pain would be considered more of a singer than a rapper. At that time, I think T-Pain might have been the hottest singer. Not saying he was the best or most talented singer, even though he really can sing, even without the talk box, auto-tune, whatever you want to call it. But at the time, you had T-Pain, who was at his highest, and featuring on that song was Lil Wayne, who I think was at his highest during that same time period. And so having them come together and make such a great, phenomenal record... I would probably have to say that that's T-Pain's best record. I do agree that Bartender was very niche in a sense, but bringing T-Pain and Lil Wayne together on a record during that time period, that was just an epic time in music to me, and they were both um, at the climax, essentially, of basically their careers and I think of the hip-hop game as a whole. So I want to appreciate T-Pain on that. But lastly, before I get off of this T-Pain subject, I gave the media the L based on the tweet that I read to you about T-Pain. But there's somebody else who I got to give an L to. And I don't even know what label this may be, but I got to give an L to T-Pain's label. I don't know what label T-Pain is signed to. You might be able to find it right quick if you look it up. But whoever T-Pain's label is has to take an L. For one, as I mentioned in obvious reasons, T-Pain is a legend. T-Pain is somebody who I think has so many hits that he would have a show as good as anybody's. And the label should be able to be aware and see that we need to push T-Pain as a show and a touring artist more so than we need to have T-Pain pumping out and creating a bunch of music in an era where there's a lot more competition at what T-Pain specializes in. And sure, he might have been the pioneer of it, but engineers have gotten better and they've been able to figure out and play with these sounds over time to make it to where T-Pain might not stand out as much today when it comes to making music and using the talk box and the auto-tune as he did back in the earlier 2000s when he was essentially the only and the first person that was relying upon the auto-tune in the talk box to elevate his music the way that he did but because he's been such a hit maker i feel like the 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 label could have done a much better job at marketing t-pain at marketing his tour even in the matter that we just read off that t-pain said he wasn't as hands-on with the production of it he wasn't as hands-on with 
really the putting together of the tour. I believe the label it's still been, RCA, which is uh, under R- Sony. Under Sony, RCA. Yeah. So you got it. I got to give the label some, some flack for this because with the hits he has, he would put on a great fucking show. I, I just know it because he has too many classic records. Also, one of my favorite TV shows out right now is The Masked Singer. Um, that's the show for some of you that haven't heard of The Masked Singer, where you have these celebrities of all sorts, whether they be singers, uh, entertainers, athletes, cooks, a YouTube gamer, streaming celebrities, all of this stuff, where they essentially wear these costumes. Nick Cannon is the host of it. Um, you've got what's her McCarthy. You've got uh, you've got. Robin Thicke, you've got some other guys who are on the panel who are celebrities on this particular show. But basically, the gist of the show is you have these entertainers of whatever genre of entertainment they fall under that wear costumes and they go out and perform songs. And whoever has the best performance usually lives to fight another day and perform on the next episode. And whoever gets voted as like the worst performance, um, the fans vote. Uh, whoever gets the least amount of votes, they have to take their mask off or their costume off and you get to see who the actual performer was um, after everybody has already tried to make their guesses and that performer also gave clues on who they might be before they went on stage to perform. But I think it's a great show. It's a hit show out on television right now. And right now they're currently in the middle of the second season of this show. Well, T-Pain was the winner of the first season of The Masked Singer. So, as I mentioned, although T-Pain's music might not be as relevant as far as it being current right now... You just love The Masked Singer. T-Pain, but he won. won. But what I'm saying is the label should have been able to capitalize off the fact that you have this thriving show that T-Pain was the winner of, and you really weren't able to even capitalize off of that in resurfacing T-Pain's name. He did a Breakfast Club interview after he won that that show, Mm -hmm. um, and you should have been able to really play off of that. And so I feel like it wasn't like... The, the label had nothing to work off of and being able to market T-Pain's show a little bit better and ultimately get him more ticket sales where he didn't have to cancel dates. But they really could have played off of T-Pain's success in that show, which is a thriving show right now. And I just don't think that they did a good job in doing that either. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to give the media some credit, but where I also have to give the media more credit and say that the media has a lot of power and where I do say that... I appreciate and love what I do as somebody that works in the media industry is T-Pain sure did book a whole lot more tour dates after the media slandered him for mm-hmm. not having enough ticket sales yes, he did. because now he's getting all the notice and all the recognition yeah, in the it's, world. It's, gonna be, and it's, gonna work for <laughs> it's working for his benefit and he's able to book new dates and he's going to be able to tour all over the place and some of them shits is going to sell out and it'll ultimately be a success for him. So I can't give the media all of the slander because they're actually going to be the reason why he'll actually have some success on putting together now a new tour but i also have to give his label rca sony whoever the hell it is some slander because they could have done a much better job in uh, marketing our legend in t-pain and being able to get him um some better production some better notoriety and just all out better marketing and campaigning for his upcoming tour that he ended up having to cancel d-boy 
Talk to me. We talked a lot today, but I'm happy about it. I had a lot on my brain. Um, I always say this podcast is therapeutic for me. Obviously, I had a week off of work this week, so I've had plenty of time to just sit and think and dwell because I haven't been at work, being super busy, moving here, there, and everywhere. I need a burger. At my regular job. You need a burger? I'm hungry. I need a burger. Well, let's go get something to eat, man. <laughs> Tell them where to follow you, and we can go get a meal. <laughs> D-Boy LTD. D-B-O-I, not a Y, LTD. Uh, yeah, we rocking. We got a show this weekend, actually, on yeah, Sunday at the yeah. Hawthorne Theater with my other Bay Area native, Pilo. And Hello. so, uh, that's going to be turned up. High BPM show for sure. We going to be, <laughs> we going to be jamming in there. A straight slap. So I like if I you like want to, if you want to be, uh, turned up and have some fun and dance a little bit and get loose, come out to the Hawthorne Theater at, uh, on Sunday at 8 p.m. I believe it's an all-ages show, but check Hawthorne's site. Don't quote me on that because I really don't know for sure. All right. I'll be there for that. And good luck with the show this week. Um, I'm not going to sit here and push basketball too much, but I guess I could just say, um, you know, Portland State, they do play their exhibition game next week, October 30th, but I will not be broadcasting that game because it is an exhibition game and that game will not be broadcasted for television. But November 5th, I will be on the call. That will be their first game that actually counts towards their record. Um, interestingly enough, they play against Puget Sound, a school that I'm very familiar with because Puget Sound was in the Northwest Conference, which is the conference that I played in when I played college ball. So I played against Puget Sound plenty of times. In fact, shout out my guy, Coach Justin Lunt. He was the former coach at Puget Sound. He was definitely the coach at Puget Sound when I played at Pacific, and so I used to have to compete against him and his boys, but he is now the Pacific University coach, so he's now coaching at my alma mater, and I think he's going to do great things um, with Pacific's basketball program, and we'll get more into that when I start to cover Pacific during conference play this year. But, um, yeah, Puget, Puget Sound, they'll play against Portland State November 5th. I'll be on the call for that and all home games going forward and I'll be making more announcements about upcoming games and things of that sort coming up when the time gets a little bit more near but we're almost there we're about two weeks away um with that being said make sure that you all give it your all and whatever it is that you do and we will leave you all the only way that we know how and that is to stay woke and go win